first thing in the morning. It's first thing on WJR. Here's Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. Well, Renee, uh, I do wish that cameras were allowed in the New York uh, state courtrooms because it seems like yesterday's testimony by Donald Trump was uh, as dramatic as we thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was nothing less than what we expected. I'm really confused, too, because there was footage of him sitting next to his lawyer, uh, the, the young woman who spoke on the steps afterwards. So maybe there's there's cameras allowed in the court, but just not on the on the witness stand, because there's been a lot of footage of Donald Trump, his two sons, in the actual courtroom, but they're they're sitting at the table. Yeah, I was a little confused by that as well. The one sketch artist picture I did see, it yeah. looked crazy. You, right. <laughs> yesterday, yesterday I joked and I said that I can't wait to see the sketch. Whoever this guy is who or woman is who does these court ste- sketches in New York definitely lied on their resume. I I have a pug. I have two pugs. And he kind of looked like a human pug. What was up with his this, eyes? Yeah. It, I, I mean, it, what, they have Vincent Van Gogh doing this? <laughs> I don't know what was going on. And I would imagine sketch. the interview process for a court sketch reporter is probably pretty straightforward. Here's somebody. Draw a picture of them. Right. If it looks like them, you're hired. Right. If it looks like Napoleon Dynamite drew it, <laughs> you're not. Find something else to do. I don't know what that was. But uh, yeah, I, I yeah, I, I mean, I, it, you're, you're you're New York City. You've got money in the budget for someone who knows how to draw. Mm-hmm. It was amusing. Uh, yeah. So anyway, on to what actually happened. Um, Donald Trump took to the witness stand to testify to civil trial on allegations that his real estate company fudged their financials um, to get better interest rates on loans and to fool investors. Former President Trump, he blasted Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, saying that she should be ashamed of herself and that the trial is a political witch hunt. And uh, it, all accounts said that Letitia James just stared daggers through Donald Trump the whole time he was up on the, the, the stage, um, the stand criticizing her. Trump called the trial election interference. At one point, Judge Arthur Enderon told Trump's lawyer to control his client, saying this is not a political rally. This is a courtroom. Donald Trump left the courtroom for lunch doing that zip the lip gesture. Uh-huh. So, you know, he's got this gag order on him, right? Right. I, I'm guessing that that only applies to outside of the courtroom, because once you're under oath and testifying, I, I'm, I'm guessing if this is how he feels... Then, then he's allowed to say it because if if not that you're supposed to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth up on the stand. It's believed that at the end of the day, if he keeps at this pace, this could cost him two hundred and fifty thousand dollars in legal fines. Yeah, well, two hundred fifty million. I think. I'm sorry, yeah. two hundred fifty million. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah, um, that'll hurt. Yeah, it, it'll even hurt him, and um, it's weird. Number one, his team is expected to call a mistrial. This one seems to be getting under his skin more so than the other ones. Like, well, because he's being controlled a little bit. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you remember the sexual harassment trial, he kind he didn't even really show up to court for it. Right. When he go went in for his indictment proceedings, he hasn't really said anything. But but he's coming out and and yesterday he said that the judge. Um, undervalued his Mar-a-Lago property, saying it was worth 16 to 15 million. And Trump said it was 500 to 
uh, 50 to 100 times more than that. So we'll see. This thing is supposed to go through the end of the, end of the month, and Ivanka Trump is supposed to testify tomorrow, which I think that one that, that, that might be a little more congenial than, than yesterday. I would love to be able to sit in that courtroom. I'm you, so jealous. You can almost sell tickets to that. I know. Raise money for a charity. I mean, I bet you, somewhere Nancy Grace is weeping that we don't have any courtroom uh, footage of this. I'm weeping. <laughs> well, it'll be okay. We'll get through it together. <laughs> One of his trials is going to be uh, televised. Uh, so as you heard yesterday right here on WJR, former Congressman Peter Meyer from the west side of the state, he officially announced that he was running for Debbie Stabenow's soon-to-be vacant seat. But not long after he made it official, the Michigan GOP sent out a tweet or an X, whatever the heck it's called, that said Peter Meyer voted to impeach President Trump. Remember that. A few minutes later, the tweet was taken down and the Michigan GOP posted a statement saying that the tweet was posted by an overzealous intern. So is that the new blaming the cleaning crew? You blame the intern? I I think so. Whoops the daisy on this one. Yeah. And and, I mean, here's the thing. You know, Peter Meyer, he definitely did. He definitely did lose his seat on Congress because he was one of the few Republicans that broke rank and voted to impeach Donald Trump. And chances are that's probably not going to get him past the primary. But uh, hey, you know. Good for Peter Meyer for for voting his conscience at the time. Yep. And uh, Michigan GOP just uh, make sure that uh, I don't know you uh, you're you're judicious with who you give your Twitter X password to. Um, the University of Michigan they received a formal letter yesterday from the Big Ten uh, in regards to potential disciplinary action in connection with the allegations that they stole signs from their opponents. So last week, if you remember, Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti. Uh, he was in Ann Arbor to discuss the allegations with U.N. President Santa Ono. He had two online meetings where he got an earful from both the Big Ten coaches and the athletic directors. Um, well, now they got some kind of vague letter saying that discipline may be coming. Michigan has until Wednesday to respond. A source says the university will take legal steps if the Big Ten suspends Jim Harbaugh. And, uh, yeah, this seems very vague, very severe. But yesterday I said produce the smoking gun, and uh, maybe they did. So now what happens? I don't know. That's why I'm saying it's all very vague. Like there's a letter that we might there, – there, there's a letter coming out that we might be disciplining you, but we don't but know. maybe the, not. Yeah. But if you do get a letter, you have so many days to respond. Right. So we'll wait and see. Uh-huh. My response would just be on, on official Michigan letterhead. What? <laughs> that would be my response. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. All right. All right yeah. Uh, what's this regarding? Right. Exactly. Um, we're getting more information on a really terrible story, a brutal murder on the grounds of a local high school. Oh, yeah. This is really bad. A Detroit man working as a custodian at a Redford Township High School was charged Monday with first-degree murder after allegedly fatally stabbing his co-worker. Yesterday, the Wayne County Prosecutor's Office charged 42-year-old Hamida Ramadan Keter Muhammad with fatally stabbing 59-year-old Stephen Gibson, also a Detroit resident. Both Muhammad and Gibson were employed by a third party to care for Redford Union High School. 
Authorities say on November 2nd, Mohammed stabbed Gibson multiple times in the stomach with a knife at the high school. First responders took Gibson to the hospital where he died from his injuries. Authorities have not provided any insight into a motive for the stabbing. The prosecutor's office announced Monday that Mohammed was charged with first-degree murder and was expected to be arraigned the same day. Redford Union Schools confirmed last week that at no time were any students or district staff members involved or in danger as a result of the incident. Students had already been dismissed for the day, and the stabbing occurred in an area where no students were present, thankfully. Yeah, and um, this th- th- this wasn't one of those spur-of-the-moment, you know, I-, I lost my temper and I stabbed you, I made a mistake. This was, He was stabbed multiple times yeah. in the stomach. I mean, this was a fit of rage. Yeah. This suspect wanted the victim to suffer, and we've got no motive yet. And, you know, obviously, um, it's not really any of my business other than it's a news story. But I, I'm I'm really curious to see what this motive was because this was th- this was an act of blind rage. Right. It really was. Multiple times. Anything multiple times. Yeah. 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 It's not like you just lost your temper. It's like, uh-oh, you went back in. Yeah. Um, it's a, kind of a terrible anniversary. It's the one-month marker since uh, the fighting in Israel started when Hamas um, carried out their surprise ambush on Israel. Right now, Israel is poised to enter Gaza, Gaza City um, at any moment. They've actually split Gaza in half between North Gaza and South Gaza with the military. They're going to be going in underground, uh, targeting underground tunnels and infrastructure. The death toll in Gaza has actually passed 10,000 people. Wow. And attacks on U.S. targets in the region by Iranian-backed militant groups have injured over 40 Americans. That's probably why Antony Blinken made a little uh, surprise stop to Iraq the other day. It's so hard to believe this has been going on for a month already. Yeah, and they say it could be going on for weeks and weeks, which would be short in comparison to what's happening over in Ukraine. Ukraine, Remember, Ukraine, Russia was supposed to to go in there and steamroll them with it in a a number of weeks. So, um, yeah, I mean, to say you hope for a peaceful resolution is is kind of trite at this time, but it but it but it's really all you can do. Mm. First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Up next at six, it's JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, and Lloyd Jackson. This is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. Well, this was a bit of a shocker last night. Michigan State ranked fourth in the preseason NCAA basketball polls. Upset in overtime, 79-76 to James Madison Dukes. And uh, I I would tell you where James Madison Dukes, where they're from, except I forgot to Google it before we came on air. Uh, Not hip on your James Madison Dukes? No, I got to say I'm a little little behind on my (laughs) mid-major NCAA basketball teams. But, wow, it's not the end of the world, but it's not great. And I, I guess it's better to be upset in your first game than your last game. We'll see. I mean, maybe this this was just a a, a a case of Michigan State looking past James Madison and they'll get it together, but not a great way to start the season. And Renee, I completely missed this story when we were talking about the letter that Michigan received from the Big Ten about a, a 
possible disciplinary action over the sign-stealing allegations. Someone else has actually come forward. Yeah, a former employee at a Big Ten football program said Monday that it was his job to steal signs, and he was given details from multiple league schools to compile a spreadsheet of play-calling signals used by Michigan last year. The employee said that he recently shared the documents, which showed the Wolverine signs and corresponding plays, as well as screenshots of text message exchanges with staffers at other Big Ten schools with Michigan. He spoke with the Associated Press on condition of anonymity because he feared the disclosures could impact his coaching career. Wait, so this guy was stealing other Big Ten schools? Yeah. He, wait, he was was he working on behalf of other Big Ten schools or was exactly. he blowing the whistle to other Big Ten schools? It sounds like he was working with other schools. It says the spreadsheet was compiled with details from a handful of coaches and programs across the Big Ten. Uh, he also said he gave the details to Michigan last week because he hoped it would help Jim Harbaugh's embattled program. Okay. And he believes Harbaugh and his coaches are being unfairly blamed for the actions of a rogue staffer. Well, it would not it would not surprise me if there was an investigation and you found out that more schools w- were were doing this than other other than just Michigan. Right. They're just in the spotlight cuz they're good. Right. Also, yeah, they're they're good on the football field and maybe they're just bad at hiding uh side stealing. I don't know, but uh yeah, we'll we'll the plot see. Thickens. Yeah, I don't know if uh if there's going to be investigations into these other Big 10 schools like there's going to be into Michigan. But you asked when you were reading that to me, shouldn't this be a bigger story? And it should, and maybe it will be if this guy's claims are investigated and found to be credible. Stay tuned. Like you said, the plot thickens. Uh, Meanwhile, in Ann Arbor. Yeah, Ann Arbor now prohibits right turns at red lights in the downtown area. Uh, San Francisco leaders recently voted to urge their transportation agency to ban red lights, uh, excuse me, rights on reds across the city. And other major cities such as L.A., Seattle and Denver have looked into the bans as well. But Jay Bieber, he's the executive director for policy at the National Motorist Association, which is an advocacy organization for drivers called it a fallacy to assume such blanket bans would make streets safer. He cited an upcoming study by his association that analyzed California crash data and found that drivers turning right on red accounted for only about one pedestrian death less than one bu- and one bicyclist death statewide every two years. He said what's really behind this movement is part of the agenda to make driving as miserable and difficult as possible so people don't drive so much. Uh, safety advocates counter that official crash report and often mis- excuse me, mislabeled, uh, undercounting the dangers. So the United States is one of the few major countries that generally allow right turns on red. Critics argue that banning right on red will only inconvenience motorists, but also slow down commuter buses and deliveries. The United Parcel Service hasn't taken an official position on right on red, but has long directed its drivers to avoid left turns whenever possible, viewing them as inefficient. Yeah, and, you know, that one 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 death a year is low, unless, you know, you're the, you're the one the death or, or the family of the one death a year. Uh, yeah, I've never really s- seen right turns on red as being particularly dangerous because you have to you have to be at a complete stop anyway. 
if if you're blowing through the red light to turn right on red, you're just blowing through red light. You're not violating the right. Situational. It's a good idea if it's a heavy pedestrian area. Yeah. it's maybe not a bad idea. But it does seem unnecessary. Though. Unnecessary as a blanketed rule across all places, especially with a gridlock place like Ann Arbor. Right. Once you get downtown, I mean, people not being able to turn right on red. That's probably the difference between sitting through one red light and, like, three red lights. Well, all of New York City is a no turn on red. Yeah, and and look how miserable the gridlock is there. Look how angry they are. <laughs> That's why they're all angry, right? Right. And, 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 and back to that guy who said this is a ploy to make driving as miserable as possible. I don't think our elected leaders are are getting together around a crystal ball saying, nah, how do we make driving more of a pain in the butt? But it could be a money grab. It could be. You know, like these these HOV lanes. There if there's no right turns on red and people are are, are not obeying it, you can you you can write more tickets. There's that. Um and speaking of those HOV lanes, um on seventy five between 12 mile and South Boulevard. I guess there are so, there have been so many people asking if you can pass in the HOV lanes between the hours of 6 and 9 a.m. and 3 and 6 during uh, the week. And uh, the answer is? The answer is no. If you are caught at all in these HOV lanes for any amount of time, if you've got less than two people in your car, you can get that ticket that's a hundred and some odd dollars and two points on your license. That, See, that's muscle memory. I'm just wired to do that. Well, and, and will that and, hold up in court? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, what if you just, what if you just told me you really had to go to the bathroom? I, I've always that's I've, never gotten me out of a ticket. Have I've you tried? Have you tried that before? Of course, I have. I, I I've thought about trying it. What if you just commit to it and, uh, you know, you, you, you follow through with a threat? <laughs> Told you, officer. Uh, yeah, let's see how that works yeah. out. I've never taken it that far. They might fr- they might freak out. Yeah. But, um, th- again, the thing that sticks in my craw about this is the two points yeah. on your license. A-, a fine, I can understand. The points, that's yeah. a bit much. Excessive. And, yes, I, I did drive through there on a weekend. And the there's signs all over the place. The line the lanes are clearly marked, but still the two points. They say on. that they haven't been enforcing it yet because they're trying to give drivers time to get used to it. But they will start enforcing it very soon. Right, and they probably won't give us any warning right. on, on when they're going to enforce them. You mentioned San Francisco uh, a second ago with the no right turn on red story, and. It turns out the Golden Gate Bridge, they've been working on this for a while. They have finally installed their suicide nets. They're these steel nets that are about 20 feet below the uh, the, the bridge deck. Kind of looks like chain link fencing. Yeah, which I would imagine that would lead to some injuries, but I guess it's better than falling all the way down to the water. And then they, they stretch out for 20 feet. Yep. And... I, I, I think I read a, a figure that there's about 33 suicides on the Golden Gate Bridge a year. Yep. And, you know, they, they just completed these nets, but they've, they've been in place in, in one shape or another, at least in an incomplete state for a while. And they said that most people who have jumped, they get caught in the, they get caught in the net and, and, and they get rescued. There are some who still jump from the net yeah. and kill themselves. But, you know, I've read a number of interviews 
with with people who survived jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge. And the one thing that happens is as soon as they jump, they regret it and have second thoughts. So maybe maybe this net will help those people. Yep. And it, it might not save everyone, but it'll save a, a significant uh, amount of people. Well, they said that uh, in October there was only 13 deaths. Or yeah, it so was that, down to 13. So that's quite significant. Yeah, down 20. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, what, a, what, what a grisly way to go. I mean, because like I said, they have time to think about it on their way down and they, yeah, um, I couldn't imagine. All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's focus our minds on something more healthy, uh, more happy. Thanksgiving's coming up and there's a, uh, there's a new top side for Thanksgiving. Let me guess the mashed potatoes. It it is mashed potatoes. Well, yes. That's only surprising me because it should have been the favorite all along. Well, in a survey conducted by Campbell's, mashed potatoes is now the number one side dish. It's preferred in 23 states, including Michigan. Only six states consider stuffing to be the number one side Ugh, dish. No. No? Too dry for you? No, no one eats... No one eats stuffing other than on Thanksgiving. Well, making a significant jump, macaroni and cheese okay. jump from number five a year ago to number three this year. Dropping a spot to number four is yams. Who's eating yams? That's the thing. I, you can't be a beloved side dish if you're literally only eating one day out of the year. <laughs> well, uh, dropping a spot, green bean casserole is number five. I do like green bean casserole. But it has to be made with the canned green beans. None of those fresh green beans. I right. like the mush. Right. Don't overthink it. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Most people just eat stuffing out of obligation. It's, well, it's, it's, it's usually because grandma made it. You right. got to make grandma happy, All right? right? Here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. First thing, Mike Parsons, when I have Italian WJR. The first thing is first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. And as always, Renee and I like to bring in the JR morning crew, Guy Lloyd and Jamie here for the home stretch of first thing. Morning, everybody. Morning. Good morning. Taking attendance. Guy is here. here. He's just, uh, yep. All right. Jamie's here. Lloyd's here. Guy's there. Renee is still here. She hasn't gone home. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, it, it, this seems to be the year of, of labor disputes, right? We had the UPS strike. Uh, we have the casino strike. We had the UAW uh, big three strike. And the one that seems to be lasting longer than all of them is the actor strike. And it sounds like the studios have had enough. Studio says that they've given the SAG-AFTRA their last and final offer. And when I hear the word last and final offer, it, it makes me wonder, I wonder how that negotiation, negotiating tactic, how that goes over and how effective it is. That's a good question. Yeah. Because last and final is never last and it's final. It's never is last right. and final. We know that just from the, the right. recent. <laughs> the Sean Fain taught us that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, maybe Sean Fain needs to get involved well, in this. The gospel but... according to Sean. <laughs> <laughs> I want Sean Fain to negotiate a raise for me. But oh. anyway, yeah, because, okay, it's your last and final offer and the actors say no thanks. So what happens? They never go back to work and they you never. It's over. Yeah, you never make no, new, new television. The question is, have you missed them now? We've been learning. Mm-hmm. A little bit about Jamie's viewing habits. She is a reality TV fan, so that doesn't affect you at all. Um, Curse for Oak Island is back for me. You know, that's my guilty pleasure. Yeah, my only one. Mine is not back yet. Uh, Abbott Elementary is not back. But I watch a lot of. May not be back in 2024. Oh, I know. Yeah. 
If this, I mean, they're getting now on the, right. the cusp of this thing totally derailing next right. the season. For it, nothing's going to happen. There is no fall season. Right. I mean, no. I mean, they're even yeah. they're they're even pushing movies to twenty twenty five now. Um, SAG AFTRA says that both sides are are lacking in agreement on on, on several essential issues. And guy, you mentioned reality TV. The last writer strike really gave rise to reality TV because that's all they could. That's all they could produce yeah, at the time. Right. Right. Well, see, I'm thinking back to the original writers' strike when we had shows like Funniest Home Videos. Oh, those amazing animals! Things that popped up that were not reality TV, but were unscripted TV that you you could get around it. Which they just point the camera at Bob Saget and let the magic happen. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, or just R. let America, America, send mm-hmm. us your videos. We'll produce a show. Right. Yep. I always wanted Bob Saget to narrate my life in that voice. You know, <laughs> <laughs> every time you step on a rake, oh, I'm going out. It's fun. You know, and then the the, the audience laughs. But you know, it, it, talking about whether you you miss the 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 um the actors now, um and the rise of reality TV and America's Funniest Home Videos. I think the studios actually have some cover because of streaming. There's so much out there that people haven't seen that, uh, you know, has been very popular. If you've never seen Game of Thrones, you've never seen Ozarks, you never suits seen... Suits. Suits. We are yeah. obsessed with suits in, in our household. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and then a lot of, a, a, a lot of uh, these channels are popping up with all of these old shows right. way back in the day. So they're getting new fans. What you call an old? Well, like the man from Uncle. I just saw oh, on my on my, <laughs> on my news feed they started promoting Six Feet Under on Netflix. I, you know, somebody people have been talking about Six Feet Under. That's on, kind of an undiscovered gem. It's yeah, such that a really great is. show. Yeah. Okay. I've never it was seen back it before it. HBO really kind of had the critical mass that they have now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've never watched an ending <laughs> of a series <laughs> so beautiful. Saying, right, you know the Green Hornet. I mean, I'm, hey, you know. Yeah, all I watch are <laughs> Office and King of the Hill reruns. I, I mean. I, I watch a lot of reruns. Yeah. Too. yeah, I I I feel like I I don't have like the mental capacity to 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 especially like, all it. in a family because Archie Bunker. All in the family. I mean, wow. very Could they make Archie yeah. Bunker and All in the Family today? No, 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 no way. Is, and is that not a sad indictment about our politically it correct yeah. cancel culture? Well, obsessed. you're not supposed to like Archie Bunker, right? Because Carol well, Kine... satire's off, <laughs> right? <laughs> Goes over the heads of... of some people. Yeah, it's you know, it, Michael Scott's kind of a muted version of that from The Office. Like, I don't think you're supposed to like Michael Scott, but the way he was played, um, you, you end up liking him just because Steve Carell did so. Uh, to your did point, so beautifully. there's so much out there. Yeah, we don't really miss no. the new stuff right now. Yeah. No. You don't. I mean, is there? I, I I know Lloyd is desperately missing Avid Elementary. I go around the room. Is are, are there any shows that that you know you were left on the edge of your seat with that you're just dying for a new season for? No. I liked Euphoria. Yeah, Good Doctor. Yeah, on ABC, they were having the baby when they signed off. So yeah. I mean, here's the thing. I, I know they're doing another season or two or Stranger Things, but these kids are going to be like 40. I know. By, by the time <laughs> they come right, up with right. a, a new season. So, I can recognize them. But th- that's the beautiful thing. In the upside-down world, they can be as young as they want. That's right. They'll, they'll, exactly. They'll, they'll just generate AI equivalents. There you go. It's going to be their kids. I was a teenager once, and we. Yeah. I, I know what it's like to fight off the apocalypse. It's going to be the 2000s. 
Right, exactly. It's right, it, it, and by then it'll be vintage. So I think I think we're going to feel it more at the movie theaters, probably when when there's no new movies come out, and uh, you know uh, they, they just put off the Dune movie, right? That was supposed to come up relatively mm-hmm. soon, and they pushed it back. The box office last week was sixty three million. I mean. Any week you don't get to 100 million is considered a failure. I mean, so it was a massive fail. Taylor, Taylor Swift did that in a day. I was going to say, she's going to have to go on more tours to save <laughs> the movie industry. So, um, an interesting story I saw, I believe it was in Cranes. AJ Hinch actually has sold his condo in Birmingham in, on October 30th. Do we read anything into that? Does that? Do we think that means he's ready to move on? I reached or? out to him. We've got an apartment over the garage, and I'd be happy to house him. <laughs> <in the season. laughs> yeah, yeah. It just for for free. T- he's not going to let you sit in the dugout, though, guy. You're a distraction. Yeah, no. I uh, I did read that he and his wife have already made an offer on a house here. In another, yeah, in 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 the area. Oh, so all right, they're investing. We want him to leave. We'll be back. The last thing each day is to set an alarm for the first thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale on 760 WJR. A new bill in Lansing would extend sexual assault survivors' window to report their abuse by uh, a number of years. It's called the Justice for Survivors Bill, and it was introduced by State Representative Julie Brixey. She went on JR Morning with Guy Lloyd and Jamie. Welcome in. Representative Julie Brixey, who is uh, from Meridian Township, a Democrat who is leading this charge to try to address some of those those deep frustrations about that. Uh, Representative Brixey, good morning. We're glad you could join us. Good morning. Thanks for uh, having me on the show this morning on this beautiful Pure Michigan Day. That's a beautiful fall day out there. It really is. You call this the Justice for Survivors Bill. How will you deliver that justice? So Michigan statute of limitations for criminal sexual conduct are among the narrowest in the nation, in, and our laws have been failing survivors and shielding their abusers for far too long. <clears throat> so as you mentioned, um, that you know survivors age out of their ability to um, seek justice. Uh, what other states are doing all over the country is recognizing that this is this is a um, a very common problem that victims of child sex abuse don't come forward to disclose that abuse until you know decades later, um, at which time the person who abused them may still be actively abusing people. Uh, so. Um, uh, to, in, to help accommodate them and help them seek justice and and also really importantly to help protect people against other predators uh, states are changing their laws and uh, opening up their statute of limitations and that that's what um, our bills do and they would allow um, allow people to seek justice in the through the court system without having to hire a lobbyist uh, in order to get access to the court system. You know, Representative, uh, these young people, when they are sexually assaulted as children, uh, they really go through trauma. They go through trauma for a, a, a very long time, a lot of them. Uh, this bill helps maybe get victims, encourages victims to come forward? It does. It it allows people to come forward when they're ready and when when um, when it's safe 
for them to do so, and it allows them to um, to go after individuals or institutions that caused or covered up their abuse and caused them real harm uh, through that cover-up. What happens is that when we have a statute of limitations for these types of um, crimes, we are basically incentivizing cover-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when people have a blanket of immunity, they tend to behave worse. So our laws are actually encouraging the bad actors and harboring these serial uh, sexual abusers. Representative, the bill would extend the civil statute of limitations from age 28 to age 52, establish a two-year revival window for survivors whose statute of limitations has already expired. This sounds really good. On the other side of it, some Republicans like Graham Filler brought up the retroactive nature is his concern. And what about unprovable claims? If someone remembers something, but there's no proof now because it's been so long. So if someone remembers something and there's no proof, then there's no case. This doesn't, these laws simply change the statute of limitations. They don't change any of the evidentiary standards that our courts have, and those are high standards. You can't just accuse someone of a crime and expect that your case will be um, carried out if you have no evidence. And that's a really important um, thing to understand. The other thing to understand is that um, in civil court, what we see in other states that um, open up the statute of limitations um, it's most the the vast majority of the cases that come forward are serial sex abusers mm-hmm. who were serial pedophiles and um, assaulted hundreds or even you know over a thousand uh, people uh, during the time of their abuse and different institutions um, covered it up. So. There is evidence, there needs to be evidence, and we haven't loosened any evidentiary standards. Let's say that the victim in this case uh, was at a municipal recreation facility and the person that was abused them was uh, hired by the municipal government. There were some changes made to this package that basically just narrows the range of public entities that are liable for CSC complaints to educational institutions not those other touch points where youth and predators may come together. Why are we treating victims differently based on where they are abused? So um, I would have liked to see the um, blanket governmental immunity bill, but, you know, a lot about making <clears throat> making laws and um, fine-tuning bills is getting all the different parties um, to agree. And so we wanted to try to protect the highest number of um, people that we could. And when you think about it, um, where do children spend the bulk of their day? It's not at a municipal organization. Um, It's in school uh, or at home. And by protecting, by putting extra protections in for children, when they're in public school, whether that is kindergarten or college, we are protecting an enormous number of people who spend the bulk of their lives um, in and around these institutions when they're not 
in with their you know in their own home and so um we are protecting the highest number of people uh, by doing this and when you look at where the crimes are occurring when you look at other states and when you look at where do serial pedophiles strike <clears throat> they often strike um, in the faith institution um, or in a, a school setting and that's where michigan has seen um, the two uh, biggest cases that okay. we've had have both been in the in the university setting. So you're saying institutions can't hide behind this cloak of immunity that they got to be held accountable as well. And if there's culpability, there's accountability. That's correct. In, in terms of you mentioned that the evidentiary standards are the same, and, and this is true. But I mean, there is a reason that we have statutes of limitations, and that's because witnesses die, evidence can be lost, recollections can fade. The system is built to protect the accused. Have we eroded those protections by expanding the statute of limitations so much? Speak speak to that concern that the, the defense in this case could be uh, dramatically eroded. So some crimes are so heinous that there is no statute of limitations. Murder is one of those crimes. And in Michigan, criminal sexual conduct one is also in that group of uh, crimes that has no statute of limitation. Mm -hmm. But because of the taboos around talking about child sex abuse and pedophiles, um, that law wasn't changed until much more recently than murder. And so we, we have a duty to recognize that certain crimes are so heinous that they- that was uh, state rep Julie Brixey on JR Morning. It's first thing Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale.